0: answer the question that I keep getting asked. Where the heck have you been? And the answer is simple. I have been in Denver and the Middle East, in Atlanta, Virginia, Indianapolis, and Florida, and I am so glad to be home. Literally, literally, my suitcase handle broke off. I'm like, thank God. And so you know, I wasn't uh, wasn't on a presidential campaign tour yet, but that may come, all right? But I'm just glad to be home. I'm glad to be back with you, back, there's no sweeter place on earth than here with family and being a part of Faith Church on a Sunday, so glad to be back. And I told you in the beginning of the summer that this summer's sermon series is going to be different, and God put on my heart to look at this one verse through multiple angles. 1 Corinthians 12, verse 27, it says, Now we are the body of Christ, and each one of us is a part of that body. And God put on my heart to ask different communicators to take that verse and think about it, chew on it, process it, pray about it, and bring to our church family a different angle on what does that mean to be together in Christ, a part of the body of Christ. And so Andy, a number of weeks ago, talked about being together in Christ is more than just gathering in a church building, but in our sharing our hearts and our homes is what it means to be together. And then Reggie talked about how together is about learning our gifts and using our gifts to serve one another. And then David talked about How being together in Christ is about knowing the heart of God and praying, interceding for one another. And then Melissa talked about how we so quickly compare one another and how that should die so that we might love one another. And then Rod talked about how worship isn't just music singing together. It's about coming before God, understanding that we're broken, and asking Him to fill us grow us with Himself. I mean, it's been so good for me, Joe, not Pastor Joe, but Pastor Joe too, but just Joe to listen and hear these diverse voices talk about what it means to be together in Christ. What I want to share with you today is honestly pretty sobering. It's diving into the deep end of the pool. It's not an easy topic about what it means to be together in Christ. And the best way I thought I could jump in and try to explain this topic to you is you've had family or friends diagnosed with cancer. Maybe right here, right now, some of you have heard that dreaded C word. And you're right here, right now, fighting through that. There is something about that C word. There's great gravity and sobriety to hear that. It literally takes your breath away to hear that diagnosis. It's great and there's a gravity to it. It's a different kind of gravity than breaking your arm. It's a different kind of gravity and severity than knowing you need a valve replaced in your heart because when you break your arm or need a valve replacement, that's usually zoomed in on one part of the body. But there's something about that C word that we all know, the great danger of it is that it doesn't just impact one part of the body, but has the very real potential of metastasizing and going to other parts of the body. And there's a great severity, a gravity, a sobriety of knowing that that C word is so dangerous to the entire body. And here's what I want to talk about today, and it's not something we want to think about. Every human ever born has been diagnosed with sin, with this disease called sin, and it has the same gravity, the same deadly potential as the C word. But it's so easy for us within the body of Christ to think that my sin is personal. It's about me and God. When when I do things wrong, when I make mistakes, when I fall short of what God expects me, it's so easy to think it's my sin stay out of my business. You have no right to talk to me about it, no right to care. It's between me and God. It's personal. And that might be true if you're not part of the body of Christ, but now we are the body of Christ, and each one of us is a part of it, and each one of us has this diagnosis, this sin issue that impacts the rest of the body of Christ. And we can't just say, well, it doesn't matter. It's not your business. That's not true. Within the body of Christ, there is a gravity to knowing that my sin impacts the rest of the body, and it's not personal to just me. I'll explain further. I've talked to you about this before, that one of my sins, personally, throughout my life, has been, I'll see something I want… Not something I need, something I want, and I'll buy it even when I don't have the money for it. And so, my sin of over the years racking up credit card debt, of seeing something I want and I don't have the money to pay for it, so I swipe a card and buy it anyway, is a sin. Here's why. Let me help define sin for you based on what the Bible says that sin. Part of the definition is idolizing something God made instead of loving God. As a son of God who's put his faith and trust in Jesus, there are things that God has made that he has given us to enjoy. But when I take these things that he has made and I make them my ultimate, and it doesn't matter if I have the money for it or not, if I want it, I'm going to get it. And if I incur debt... What's the big deal except that that's sin? You see, in America, we we don't make idols out of wood or out of stone, but we make idols out of power, out of prestige, out of keeping up with the Joneses, out of wanting something and thinking we need it and we take it and we get it because we feel like it and thinking, what's the big deal? God has made it clear to me, for me, the sin of racking up credit card debt that's something I need forgiveness for. And it would be easy for me to think, well, that just impacts God and me. It's just between us. And so I go to God, and I ask for his forgiveness. Over and over, I ask for his forgiveness. And he forgives me, and he helps me. And I fool myself into thinking that it's only impacting me. But that's a lie. I vividly remember a number of summers ago calling my sons to our kitchen table and saying to them when they were young, listen, guys, Dad's made some big mistakes with money. And we've got to stop doing certain things as a family. We've got to eat peanut butter and jelly, no lie, because we can't afford to pay our bills, and I've got to get out of this debt. And I had to look at my young sons and say, my sin doesn't just impact me. It impacts our entire family. You see, my sin impacts the entire body of Christ. It's not just my sin. It impacts others. There have been times I've not been able to be generous or help someone in the body of Christ or in the community because I had to spend my money getting out of debt. Because sin doesn't just impact me. It impacts the entire family of God. And right now you're thinking, oh, I wish you wouldn't have come back. (laughs) Because we don't like talking about this. We don't want to think about this. You're thinking, wow, I feel really uncomfortable. I feel like I'm choosing things and putting things and possessions and power. I'm idolizing things over God. And you're feeling the gravity of sin in your heart right now. And you're going, can you please shut up? You're feeling discouraged, maybe even feeling hopeless. But would you just stick with me for a moment? Because here's what's real Not only does our sin have the potential of negatively impacting the body of Christ. It is precisely the body of Christ that can help us get free of that same sin. So turn in your Bibles to Galatians chapter six and let me show you this. Galatians chapter six, we use the NIV. If you have an electronic device, you can download an app, follow in the church app, use your paper copy. Galatians is towards the back of your Bible, find a G and you'll find Galatians. It's a letter written by Paul, And here's the context of what's going on in Galatians chapter 6. Right before Galatians 6 is Galatians 5. And in Galatians 5, Paul talks about the freedom we have in Christ. When we put our hope and trust in Jesus, He forgives us of our sins and cleanses us from all our unrighteousness. And He puts His Spirit inside us to change us and to make us new. And Paul talks about how with the Spirit of God, we don't have to say yes to temptations. We don't have to follow our feelings. We can say yes to God and we can begin to pursue the fruits of the Spirit. So we pursue love and joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. We say no to sinful temptations and yes to these things. It's really interesting to see what comes next. He says you're a new creation walking with the Spirit, but Paul's a realist. He knows that just because we have the Spirit living inside us, that doesn't mean we won't sin. So look what he says in Galatians 6, one. He says, brothers and sisters, if someone is caught in a sin, you who live by the Spirit should restore that person gently. If someone is caught in sin, brothers and sisters, members of the body of Christ, the family of God, if someone is caught in a sin, do you know what he's saying? Read into that a little bit. He's saying it is possible for brothers and sisters to sin. That even though we're following Jesus, we still sin, we still make mistakes, but this sin is not private. He says, because it's a family and in the body, you who live by the Spirit, meaning those who are pursuing Christ and walking and pursuing the fruits of the Spirit, we're to do something about it. Brothers and sisters, if someone is caught in sin, you who live by the Spirit should do something about it. And notice he doesn't say, what we should do is judge them. What we should do is criticize them. What we should do is throw them away. What we should do is avoid them or mock them or think that we're better than them. He says, my role, if I'm walking in the Spirit, is to restore gently those caught in sin. Restore gently those caught in sin, so I have a purpose. Now, I'll pause here and say that no one can be restored if they don't want to be restored. No one can be changed unless they want to be changed. But Paul's emphasis in this passage is not on the person who's caught in sin. He's talking to the rest of the family, the body of Christ, who's seeing this unfold. And he says, your focus is to walk with the Spirit, bear the fruits of the Spirit, and seek to gently restore this person, to bring help and healing, because sin isn't private, it's not personal. It impacts the whole family. And then he warns in verse, verse 1 towards the end, he says, but watch yourself, or you also may be tempted. Someone's caught in sin, seek to restore them gently. Be careful though, because you could also be tempted, which means it's pretty basic, Maybe something that someone's doing that as you seek to restore them, help them, come alongside them, you, you could step into a sin trap yourself. So be wise. Walk in the Spirit. But I wonder if maybe there's something going on less obvious here, something more subtle, a subtle temptation for the body of Christ that Paul might be getting at by saying, watch yourselves, or you too might be tempted. Maybe our temptation when we see someone caught in sin, is to think we're better than them. Maybe our temptation would be to think we're superior. Oh, you know, I'll help you, you're caught in sin, but while I'm doing it, I'll look down at you, and I'll think I'm better than you, and I'll say all kinds of things in my head of, oh, how'd you, stupid, how'd you get into that? I wouldn't have done that. If she would have done this, or he would have done that, then they would have never gotten into this, so I guess I'll help you. I guess I'll seek to restore you, or encourage you, but you know what? I'm better than you. And the danger in the body of Christ to subtle spiritual snobbery while someone's caught in sin is very real, a very real temptation. And I wonder if Paul, when he says in verse 2, here's how you do it. If someone is caught in sin, gently restore them. Be careful that you're not falling into temptation. Look what he says in verse 2. Here's what you're to do. Carry each other's burdens. And in this way, you fulfill the law of Christ. Follow His train of thought. Walk in the Spirit. Somebody might be caught in sin. Restore them gently. Be careful that you don't get into temptations. Carry their burden. Be in it with them. And in this way, you will fulfill the law of Christ. Remember that feeling just a few moments ago? When we started talking about sin and the weight, when we know we've done something wrong, when we know we're pursuing a lifestyle that isn't godly, the embarrassment, the shame, the sense of hopelessness we have all felt when we're pursuing something that we know is wrong. That burden, that weight, Paul is giving us a divine prescription here. Just as the sin that we choose impacts the body of Christ negatively. Look at, he says, the individual parts of the body of Christ are not designed to bear the burden of sin alone. That there's something in the body that it could negatively impact when we choose to sin, but also within the body there's an opportunity to bear one another's burden, that that gravity, that weight of sin that I'm choosing, that you're choosing, that when we're humble about that, whether when we choose to carry it with each other in openness and honesty, bringing what happens in the darkness into the light, sharing it with God first, and then talking to our friends second, that's where healing comes. Yes, my sin impacts the body of Christ, but when I'm humble about it, my friends can help carry it. And when I'm willing to carry The burdens of my brothers and sisters. That is the path to restoring them gently, because he says, In this you fulfill the law of Christ. What's the law of Christ? Carry each other's burdens, and in this you will fulfill the law of Christ. What's Christ's law? It's love. Jesus said, Love God with all your heart, soul, strength, and mind. Love your neighbor as yourself, where he says in John thirteen, thirty-four, a new command I give you, love one another. As I have loved you, so you must also love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. So just think of it with Jesus. When he came to earth to carry our burden, right, he bore the weight of our sin on the cross, absorbed the wrath of God that we might live and be forgiven and restored. And now he's saying as a part of the body of Christ, one of your roles is to bear each other's burdens. We can't do it the same way Jesus did on the cross. He did that once and for all. But there's something about restoring someone gently by being with it, in it, with them, bearing their burdens. Now, that might sound weird to you. What does that look like? So let me give you a couple practical ways that this may play out in our life as brothers and sisters of Christ in one body that struggle with sin. Bearing someone's burdens means you, you pray. You pray for people. Seeing the overall context of what Paul's getting at in Galatians, he says you know you have the Spirit of God living inside you that helps you to say no to sin. And as you say no to sin you pursue the fruits of the Spirit. And as you're pursuing the fruits of the Spirit, guess what might just happen? you see a brother or sister caught in sin. With his help, your eyes are open to a problem that your brother or sister, someone else in the body of Christ might be having. He brought that into your frame, your view. And as you're able to see it, what do you do with it? You go running and try to fix it? No. You say to God, here's what I see. Would you help me? God, here's what I'm viewing. Here's what I think might be happening. Here's what I'm sensing is going on in my brother or sister's life. Would you help them? Would you help them? Would you help them? Would you give me patience and love to see them? Would I carry them to you? James says this in James 1:5-16. He says, "Therefore confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed." The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. There's something about bearing the burdens in prayer that allows you opportunity. And that's the starting point. Remember the story in the Gospels where a guy can't walk and his friends love him so much that they bear him, they carry him to Jesus and they plop him in front of Jesus. And because they were so passionate to plop him in front of Jesus, Jesus healed them. So many times we get it wrong and backwards. We think we can fix problems instead of carrying the people that we're burdened down with to Jesus. God, would you change my husband? Would you change my wife? Would you help me to love my husband, my wife? Would you help me to love my boss, my brother and sister in Christ? Give me eyes to love them. Help them, God. Bring your burden that you feel for them to God. And he answers prayer. Bearing someone's burdens means... You're quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to anger. Boy, we need help with this, don't we, in the family? I mean, how quick we are to see a problem and know how to solve it, and we start barking out shoulds. You should do this, and you should do that, and you shouldn't have done this, and you shouldn't have done that. Instead of saying, no, I see this. God, help me to see it clearly. God, help me to listen, to learn seek to understand. Help me to keep my mouth closed, not think I can fix it by telling them what they should or shouldn't do. Oh God, keep me from being angry, because you know what sin does? It makes all of us angry, especially when someone we love is choosing sin. It ticks us off, because we know that sin doesn't just impact them. It impacts a broader surrounding. So James says, be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. I think it applies to bearing burdens. Maybe be slow to anger and slow to judgment, and ask God to help you understand why someone is acting the way they are. Bearing burdens means you speak the truth in love. Can you imagine going to a doctor, and she saw your scans and saw cancer, and she didn't say anything to you? Is that malpractice or what? As the body of Christ, brothers and sisters, there's times after we've prayed and after we've learned and after we've seen and as we've walked with the Spirit, there are times we see sin and a brother or sister caught in sin, but we keep our mouths shut because we're afraid. That's malpractice within the body of Christ because sin doesn't just impact them. It impacts other people. So in the right time and in the right way, after you've walked with God and prayed and as you're filled with the fruit of the Spirit, and as you've listened and you've learned, there's a time for you to speak, to speak in love, to speak gently, to speak kindly, not in an attacking way, but say, here's something I'm concerned about. Here's something I see. Here's something I'm sensing is going on in your life. Here's a blind spot that I notice And I'm seeing the impact it has on you and others. If you follow that, God, you showed me. God, I care about them. I'm carrying their burdens. God, I'm going slow. I'm listening to you. I'm being patient. I'm waiting for the right moment to speak in love. Here's what I know. Your friend may not listen to you. But if you feel the burden of your friend's sin, they will know you're carrying it they will know you're feeling it and you're not just spouting off. You're not just a religious roller. You're not a hypocrite. They will know. It may not change, nothing may happen, but they will know you feel the burden. Bearing someone's burdens means you don't give up, ever. It means that God opened your eyes to see something means that you're praying for them, means that you're looking for an opportunity to restore them gently, means that you're trying to avoid slipping into any kind of temptation in any way, including thinking you're better than them. It means you're waiting for the right opportunity and you're going to speak. And it may take weeks, it may take months, it may take years for them to be restored gently and fully. But if you give up, if you avoid, if you walk away, That's not how Jesus treats you. He is patient and kind and long-suffering and stays with us. And He is the the Father that looks over the hill for His Son to turn. And as soon as His Son turns, the Father runs to the Son. And so for you, you see a brother or sister caught in sin, be gentle, be kind, be patient, don't judge. Listen and learn, don't get angry. Carry them to God over and over again. Speak. There may be times that you have to draw boundaries. There may be times you have to create distance. There may be times that you know their behavior is out of bounds in such a way that you're going to get sucked into that behavior, too. But you are not going to give up on them, and you're not going to fall into the trap of thinking they'll never change. Oh, forget them. I've been trying to talk to them. I've been praying for months or for years. No. Be consistent and relentless, knowing that our Father in heaven wants that son or daughter to change more than you do and will work. Stay the course. Keep praying. Keep listening. Keep speaking the truth in love and trusting there will be a point in time where this person will be restored because sin is in private. It's personal, and it collectively impacts the body the body of Christ. Brothers and sisters, if someone is caught in a sin, you who live by the Spirit should restore that person gently, but watch yourself, or you may also be tempted. Carry each other's burdens, and in this way you will fulfill the law of Christ. Maybe as I'm talking about this, you're feeling the weight of your own sin right now. Maybe as I'm sharing this, you're looking at yourself in the mirror, and we've been talking about others who are looking at someone who's caught in sin, but maybe you know today you're caught in sin. You've put your trust in Jesus, your son, a daughter. You know that you're pursuing things that are flat out wrong. That you're idolizing something, and it's causing you to choose and follow and make decisions that you know or against what God wants for you, and you're feeling the weight of your sin on your shoulders, I've been there. We all have been there. Here's the key. Freedom from the weight of sin requires one word, humility. Requires the humility of saying, God, I'm running after things that are not You. I'm choosing to do things, pursue things, chase after things that are not you. Would you forgive me? It takes that humility. and It's crazy to think that cancer doesn't impact your entire body. It would be crazy to think that your sin doesn't impact the entire body. It would also be crazy for you to think that you can get out of cancer by yourself. You need the help of others. So it is being honest with God and saying, God, forgive me, help me. And his answer is always, yes, I forgive you. I love you. I want to change you. I will help you. But this is what's helped me the most in my life. I confess my sins to God, and I confess my sins to my brothers and sisters in the body of Christ, who can help me into freedom. Going at it alone, all by myself, with me and Jesus, work sometimes, but most often I need people. We are the body of Christ. Is there someone in your life you can share your sin with? Not because they can forgive you, Jesus is the only one who can forgive you, but so that they can carry your burden. Is there someone you could go to and say, would you carry my burden, this burden that I've confessed to God and I need help finding freedom. And here's what I know happens. You are not designed to carry that burden alone. The body of Christ will come alongside you and help you walk the path towards freedom to the end that people will see that the body of Christ loves each other, even when we're caught in sin. If you don't have someone to walk alongside you through this please contact us as a church, as a staff. We have people to connect you with that will walk with you through the burden and carry it with you so that you are not alone. Would you pray with me? You are so incredibly gracious to us, God, to not throw us away despite our sin, to come to us in the person of Christ Jesus, who bore the penalty of our sin upon his shoulders, that all who call upon his name would be saved, forgiven, and granted eternal life. But you have more for us than just heaven, as if, as if that's possible. It is that you want us, this side of heaven, to know freedom from our sin and our shame. And you design the family of God to carry our burdens and to help us to find freedom. So would you make us a family that loves and fulfills the law of Christ? Would you make us a family that prays, prays for one another? Would you make us a family that's quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to anger and judgment? Would you make us a family that doesn't give up on people, but looks and longs and continues to pray for the healing and the restoration of brothers and sisters in Christ? We trust that when we love each other the way you first loved us, a watching world will see you in the midst of this beautiful mess called the body of Christ. And each one of us, sinners and saints together, are your bride. Glorify yourself, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen.